go in the studio. I'm done because I tried to do it and I couldn't even. <laughs> yeah, it was okay. pretty easy to join. Okay, so we're going to start. So let me get my nerves out. <laughs> she says okay. she's walking in right now. Okay, that's fine. So she'll be able to jump. She'll only miss like two or three minutes. Okay. Thank you for joining us today on Broken for Purpose podcast. I am so excited to have Alice Taylor in the room with us today. How are you doing, Alice? I'm doing so well. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. And we have another guest. Her name is Serena Jeffrey. She'll be jumping in in just a moment. So until she does, we're just going to have break the ice. And I want you all to get to know Alice. I met Alice a few years ago at the dog park. We bonded over puppies. It was so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, every every Sunday watching the dogs play out of the dog park. Yes, because um, I think Samson was only like six months, I guess, when, so now he's like huge. And, um, you know, he's a dad. He's a deadbeat dad, but he's still a dad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I saw that y'all had puppies recently. That was, seemed uh, very interesting and exciting. One puppy. One she puppy? Yes, yeah, they only had one puppy. And she's oh, wow. bigger than they both are. Yeah. And she turned nice. one. She turned one this month. But she's, like, bigger than they are. So, anyway so uh tell me what exactly is what is your title what do you do so i am an lpc a licensed professional counselor um and i have a private practice 180 therapy where i treat individuals who've been diagnosed with ptsd okay and how long has has that always been the um your main focus ptsd or were you did you do different things with your counseling license? Um, so the dream was always trauma and PTSD. Um, when I got trained for it, I just said to myself, this is the answer. Um, I do see couples. I do see people who are just looking for kind of maintenance therapy or just some coping skills. Um, but my passion really lies in trauma and PTSD. Okay. Now, do you think trauma you hear a lot about trauma, PTSD. Now, if you does that necessarily go hand in hand? If I've been traumatized, does that necessarily mean that I'll get PTSD? Um, can I get PTSD without being traumatized? How does that work? So those who've been through a traumatic event do not always develop PTSD. PTSD is a condition of non-recovery, which means you're having trouble processing the event and you're kind of getting stuck in these thoughts, feelings, and emotions. So no, you can, you can go through a traumatic event and recover naturally. Those with PTSD struggle to recover from that. Okay. So um, not to make it about me, but... <laughs> so I, 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 uh, grew up in foster care. Um, I was in 36 foster homes. I was in and out of group homes in and out of shelters. Um, I was abused in a lot of these foster homes. Um, and so I never went and got therapy for it. I never went and got counseling for it. But as I got older, um, and I, became, I guess, stable. I started having nightmares. I started having sleepless nights. I started um, uh, being irritated. So can PTSD show up? Um, are all the symptoms the same or can are they different? Um, they're, they're different. Um, some people may have more nightmares than others. Some people may notice more difficulty connecting with people. That's a big um, symptom of PTSD, um, just trouble connecting with others. And what you're, you're stating here about as you got older, you were starting to notice some of these symptoms. That's pretty common um, for people who maybe live really busy lifestyles or they're stuck in these traumatic areas or these this, the trauma where they're having to re-experience over and over. Um, they may not 
notice the symptoms until they are able to stay, step back and take a breath and then everything comes flooding in. So I hear a lot of, um, I, I see a lot of college students who are struggling for the very first time because they've been in these really traumatic environments. They're now living on campus away from the trauma and now they're not in survival mode anymore. Now okay. they're able to process it in a safe environment um, so a lot of these thoughts, feelings, symptoms really start to rush in and flood in because they're not stuck in survival mode anymore. Oh, okay. So, so do you specialize in adults, uh, adolescents, teenagers, young adults? What is your, um, my sweet spot, I guess you could say is really 14, 15 on up to infinity. Um, I do see quite a few um, high school aged and college aged individuals, um, but I also see a lot of, of adults as well. Okay. And so what do you think, tell us, how do you, what's your, how do you lead people into recovery? Because that's, that's, isn't that the, the bottom line is we want, can you ever recover from PTSD? Is it something oh, that you're yeah. going to deal with for the rest of your life? So yes, there is, there is hope on the other side. <laughs> um, I tell, I like to tell my clients, um, you are the Phoenix and therapy is the fire and going through PTSD treatment. I do cognitive processing for PTSD. There's a lot of different therapies out there that do treat PTSD. I chose cognitive processing. Um, cognitive processing is a type of therapy that focuses on the thoughts that you're having that are keeping you what we call stuck in your trauma. So the inability to recover from these traumatic events. Um, but there's a screener that we do that kind of rates your symptoms of PTSD. And we do this weekly. And as long as people are actively participating in the therapy, challenging these really difficult thoughts in their daily life, I see a lot of wonderful, wonderful recovery from PTSD. Um, you can be non-symptomatic with PTSD, but you gotta be, you gotta be vigilant um, for the rest of your life, uh, essentially, um, or at least while you're trying to learn this new way of thinking, um, so that these, you don't really have a relapse on it. Um, if, right. if you go down the rabbit hole, so to speak, you can end up being symptomatic again. Okay. Now what, what are some of the triggers? The triggers really depend on what your specific trauma was. So, um, say you are a person who was an EM, was an EMT, um, and you worked a lot of car accidents, perhaps seeing a car accident or hearing screeching tires on your way home from work, even after you're not working or while you are working can cause a trigger for symptoms. Oh, okay. Okay. And now can PTSD, PTSD, can that be misdiagnosed? Do you get a lot of misdiagnosis um, on that one? Yes, I see that quite frequently. Um, people will come in and say, oh, you know, I've been diagnosed with anxiety or I've been diagnosed with depression or sometimes even psychotic disorders can pre or can be diagnosed when it is PTSD. PTSD can cause psychosis. It's, it's pretty rare. Um, but they'll say, you know, I'm just, I'm really sad. Um, and I just need some coping skills and, you know, I've been taking antidepressants and they're not really working. And the question that I always ask is what, what started the sadness? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, we can, we can work on coping skills. We can work on getting you past the, you know, the sad moments in life, but, I like to say, let's do surgery and let's, let's fix the root issue. Um, so a lot of people, they'll, they'll go into their doctor's office or even therapist um, and say, you know, I've just been really sad lately. I like to dig deeper and find out what's the really hard stuff that happened to you 
that makes you sad, that makes you scared, makes you anxious. Okay. Okay. And can, what happens to people that may have all of that? They might have PTSD. They might have anxiety. They might have depression. How does that look? I'm sorry. Can you repeat your question? Mm -hmm. um, what about when people have multiple diagnoses, PTSD, anxiety, depression, mm -hmm. like all of that together? Um, how does that look? Can Do you have to take care of it separately? Um, is it all a one-stop shop? You know, can you, can you fix me all at once? Or are those things that I have to uh, hit on separately? Um, I say that it's a one-stop shop. So I'm a, again, a cognitive therapist. So I like to look at the thoughts that are causing the symptoms. So, um, if you want to talk about the cognitive model, um, we talk about an event that causes a thought that causes a feeling and that feeling may cause a behavior. So say for instance, I'm at work and I say hello to a coworker and they don't respond to me. I immediately have a thought. Sometimes these thoughts happen so quickly. We don't know that we're thinking them, but maybe right. So maybe, maybe the thought that I have is, Oh, this person is angry with me, which may make me feel sad, angry, ashamed, and then may make me give them the cold shoulder. So we really look at the cognitive model. So we might start with the trigger. So for my earlier example, a screeching tire um, for, for our EMT, right? So EMT, here's a screeching tire. They think my life's in danger. And then they feel scared, anxious, sad, hopeless, whatever that may cause them to isolate and not be around other people because of these thoughts. So we really examine the thoughts. We do surgery on the thoughts. We analyze how accurate this thought may be and get, get them to think differently about the way things really are. Okay. Okay. Well, let's take a minute. Uh, Serena has joined the room. How are you doing today? Can you hear me? Because we cannot hear you, Miss Serena. So uh, we we can't hear you. So check your check your check your volume, and uh, we'll keep talking. And you just chime in, and we'll keep talking until we can hear you. Okay, uh, Alice. My other question is. I know for a long time, PTSD was, uh, it was actually talked about with soldiers and, you know, mm -hmm. those were the ones that uh, if you were gone to war, uh, that's, that's what happened. You came back, you came back with PTSD because of all the violence that you saw. When did it start uh, hitting closer to home? When did they start realizing that you just didn't have to be in war to to have PTSD? You know, I, I don't know the history on that, but I, I still hear that quite frequently. Um, when, when patients are coming into my office and we'll talk and I'll, you know, ask them the tough questions and, um, I'll think, I'll say, you know, I think, I think you might have PTSD and I hear a lot. Well, I was never in war. Um, and that's just not the case anymore you police officers nurses your regular you know average average worker anything that has happened to somebody that is violent that is unexpected um can cause ptsd um but i think here here in the last several years there's been quite a focus on on mental health um, and so I believe that our new focus on mental health is really starting to shed a light on PTSD and other mental health issues um, so that we can learn more about them and, and reach more people. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So how does PTSD, does it have an age limit? It absolutely does not have an age limit. Um, and people can suffer for PTSD um, for many years. You know, 
children, very young children who are abused either physically, mentally, or sexually, or neglected by their parents can struggle with PTSD throughout their entire life. Um, so no, it, it really doesn't have an age limit. Um, and this, this particular therapy that I, um, I practice has been shown to be effective with people um, who've lived with PTSD for, for decades, um, 30, 40 plus years. Right. Um, people who've come back from war or, you know, people who are maybe in their, in the later years of life ready to, to talk about the really tough things that happened to them as a child. Now, how, let's say, cause I'm, I'm sitting here thinking that if it has no age limit, but say you have a, a, a baby, a child that has been traumatized from birth, you know, because sometimes we're born into abusive situations and, but they can't talk, you know, how does that, how does that show up? You know, what, what would make you think that, well, maybe, you know, this is a traumatic thing, you know, what are some of the symptoms, I guess I would say in small children that have, have no voice yet or can't really uh, get their words out there? Um, for very small children who don't speak, um, I would not, um, diagnose them with PTSD. Um, typically memory starts with language. So PTSDs, uh, and, and traumas, things that you, you kind of have to remember. However, at the very er early stages of life, we're developing trust versus mistrust. So if you have a very neglectful or unattentive parent, mm -hmm. um, you may see somebody who's struggling to trust others. Mm -hmm. um, but to answer your question, for very young children, you're going to see a lot of behavioral problems, um, a lot of refusal to go someplace. So say, for instance, if, you know, a child is is spending time with a family member and the family member's like, hey, you know, it's time to go home now. And they're pretty adamant about not going home. That's uh -huh. a pretty big red flag that there's something really difficult happening in that home. Oh, OK. Now, um, let's let tell me, how would somebody find uh, because all therapists don't major or, or specialize in trauma, um, trauma-based events. So how would you find a good therapist? What would I need to look for? Or, you know, maybe we just don't click together. You know, what would you suggest? Um, so I like what you said there. Sometimes you just don't click together. Um, this is true. Therapists are human beings and, you know, we are typically very good at communicating with others um, but if you, if you just don't, if the chemistry is not there, you just don't feel it. It is absolutely okay to tell whoever you're currently working with, Hey, this isn't working out for me. Um, I think I'm going to look for somebody else. So there's a lot of really great websites out there. I highly recommend psychology today. Um, it's really helpful to find therapists in your area. Therapists will list what they specialize in and you can search by specialty as well. Um, if you have insurance, you can absolutely call the customer service number on the back of your insurance. I definitely recommend that because they can give you a list of therapists that are close to home that are in network with your insurance um, so that you don't have to worry about, you know, do they take my insurance? Do they not? Is this going to be affordable for me? Right. Um, I would also ask your therapist very, you know, whenever you call, interview them like you're trying to hire them for a job, you know, right. what, you know, how many people have you treated for this specific condition? Can you tell me what you know about this condition? Um, how long have you been practicing treating PTSD or depression or whatever you're specifically um, wanting help with? Uh, Serena, are you there? Am I here? Can you hear me? You are there. Yay. Oh, today is not my day, guys. <laughs> it is okay. It is okay. So um, introduce yourself. Tell the people I who you are, what you specialize in. 
So uh, my name is Serena Jeffries, and I am um, an LPC associate, so I'm still working on finalizing out my license. Um, and then not uncommon to Alice um, experience in CBT. I've just completed training for CPT, so I'm just dipping my toes in there. Okay. Um, and a lot of grief work. Um, okay. It's hard to say specialized because to get certified in that uh, is a lot of work, but um, just a lot of experience working with grief. Okay, so um, how how long have you been working with grief? We're gonna we're gonna get some information on uh, with Miss Serena, and then we're all gonna talk together. Okay, so uh, how long have you been been working in the field of grief? Um, on and off, let's say about four years. I'd say working with people with grief. Um, you know, it comes up at different times, so it's a little hard to nail it down. Okay. Let, let me ask you this because this is this I, 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 I like this thing because a lot of times people say, you know, I'm sad, um, sad and grief. Sometimes with people, it, it, it they use it interchangeably. So is it the same? Is it different? Um, I'm going to go with different because I think one of the big things that marks grief is loss, some okay. kind of loss. Okay. So maybe with depression or, um, and definitely you get some overlap in trauma, but there might not be that big loss. Okay. Okay. So, and it, and it might vary as to, are we talking about death, grief, or are we talking about more personal losses that might not actually be death, but you still grieve. Okay. And so, and you can, you can grieve the same way, whether it's death or loss of something, because sometimes it feels the same, right? Yeah, I would say a lot of times people don't realize that's the, the grieving. Mm. So they'll have a big loss and they don't recognize it as grieving. Similar to what Alice was saying is that, well, I've never been to war, so it can't be PTSD. With grief, they'll be like, oh, nobody died. It, it can't be grief. Um, okay. But when you get into it, they are still grieving a loss, even if it's not um, a death. So what is, what is the definition of grief? Um, so I think the definition of grief would be that more um, just feeling that pain of the loss, feeling the sadness from loss would okay. be a very simple definition. And and what are the different types of grief? Uh, there's a lot. Um, one of the big things we get into is um, what we consider grief and like complicated grief. So when we think that people are a little bit stuck in their grief. Um, so I think those would be the two big distinctions is that we either feel like people are on the right path of grief or we feel like people have gotten stuck in their grief. Okay. And when you say stuck in your grief, does that, does that mean like, say I had a husband die and he's been dead five years and I'm still, uh, feeling like it just happened yesterday. Right. Especially that feeling that it happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it still feels fresh. It still feels like um, like you're in those early stages of mourning. And but doesn't grief grieving doesn't that uh, look different on everybody? It does. That's why I was trying to say like what we consider complicated grief because mm -hmm. I think that varies from person to person. Um, okay. We and have I'm gotten it in our heads that we're supposed to grieve in a certain order by a certain time. Okay. And I, I think that the more we learn about mental health and um, and how people actually process stuff, the more we realize that there isn't there isn't these time periods that we've put on. But now there are stages of grief, right? I, and I, you know, we if anybody has watched any kind of TV or shows or things like that, you start picking up on these words. So what? Right, what, the five stages. Right. What You're exactly to go through are five those? stages? Why just five? Um, it's not really just five. Um, that was some research that was done quite a while ago. Okay. And that we've kind of taken out of context. So the person who did the research was like, these are some common experiences people with grief have. It's kind of put into these five stages. The, um, the anger, the depression, um, denying, acceptance, those kinds of stages that we, we made it seem like that was a, a roadmap. Okay. That you have to move from stage one to stage two to stage three. Um, and it turns out in reality, that's just not, that's not what it was intended to be. And that's not how people process grief at all. 
Okay. Now, with these five stages of grief, um, can you stay in one longer than the other? You could. You could backslide to them, too. You could, oh, really? you could go through anger to denial, and then you go back to anger. There's no right way to do it. Okay. So besides death, when, when you're, you know, working with people, what are some of the major causes of a person's grief? We all know that death is like the major one, but uh, maybe relationships. Um, divorce. Divorce. Yeah, yeah that's a big loss because you're not, <laughs> it's not just losing a I'm partner, sorry. you're losing a future you envisioned. Mm-hmm. And so divorce is a big one. Um, even I think close relationships breaking off. Mm-hmm. So job, especially if your identity was wrapped up in your job, losing that job right. really affects you. Now, um, what about society, the way they look at grief? Um, can we sometimes get caught up with what, with what we think other people feel that our grief should look like? And so because we, we, how do I say this? Because we're so worried about what other people think about how we grieve that we don't grieve uh, like I guess we should. So we never heal from that. I definitely think that happens a lot. And um, and we lose friendships and relationships over how we're supposed to grieve as well. You know, um, a lot of times in a, in a marriage, if a child dies, mm-hmm. it's very hard for that couple to stay together. Um, and that relationship does become very, it can become very dysfunctional because imagine, you know, one of the worst things that could ever happen to you mm-hmm. and your partner's not grieving the way you think they're supposed to be grieving. They're not feeling as sad as you think they're supposed to feel. They're not as angry right. at the right moments that you are. Right. And so not only do you have to deal with the loss of a child, but now you almost feel betrayed that somebody's not grieving the way you're supposed to be grieving. They're not doing it the right way or gotcha. they don't think you are. Right. And so we definitely get that pressure. And I think that uh, I know you said something about losing friendships from grieving. Um, Sometimes I think uh, friendships are lost because maybe your grieving makes me feel uncomfortable. And so, and it's not that I'm not, it's not that I don't uh, feel for you, but I don't know how to react. And so it makes me feel uncomfortable. So now I feel like I have to move away because I don't know what to do. Right. You don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. Um, You know, you haven't had that loss, so you don't know what your place is. I think that happens a lot. And I think sometimes we can do a bit of damage when we don't know what we're what our place is and we try and and stop the pain Mm -hmm. because we don't want to see our loved ones in pain. We don't want to see our friends in pain. We want to stop it and you can't stop grief. You have to go through it. So what would you suggest if say I have somebody that's grieving, um, what is something that I can do? How can I help? Um, you know, because I don't, you don't want to damage that relationship. So how can you help to make sure that relationship is not damaged while they go through their grief? Um, well, I think one of the biggest things is to, to learn to be okay with the silence, mm-hmm. um, to sit there through the awkward silence, mm-hmm. instead of trying to fill it with nice words, because you're not going to say the perfect words to heal somebody mm-hmm. or anything like that. That's fine we don't have to, we don't have to have magic words for people. We can just be there and, and let them know that we're there without crowding their space. Not, Mm -hmm. not constantly being like, but how are you really doing? Mm -hmm. You know, but how is this really affecting you? Do you, you know, um, as if, you know, what they're saying isn't enough for you. Right. So just, just be there in the sadness without changing it. Now, just like we were talking about PTSD, Alice, a lot of times people don't um, face their issues. They like suppress it. And so uh, can grief work that same way? We suppress, suppress, suppress so much that then one day we're triggered and it just all spews out. Like, you know, does that happen a lot with grief? 
I, I think that happens in everything, but yes, definitely in grief and in trauma um, that we, it's not fun to deal with. They're very unpleasant topics. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we want to numb that pain and we want to avoid that pain. And, and so what do you suggest, you know, if you're, if you're talking to somebody that, uh, that wants to be helped with their grief, what is the first step? Um, so if I'm seeing somebody in a counseling setting, one of the first mm-hmm. things I want them to do is tell me about the person who died. Mm-hmm. I don't know that person. I need them to introduce me. Mm-hmm. I, um, I want to, I want to help them remember that person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in trauma, we're processing memories. We're making those bad memory, those trauma, traumatic events into bad memories In grief. We're kind of on purpose, remembering that person. We want to honor them. We want to remember them, incorporate them. However, that person wants that, that them incorporated in their life. And, um, we're very interesting in society right now. We're starting to do more things like it's becoming more popular to save some ashes. If you want to save ashes of somebody you love or, um, you know, to have kind of like to celebrate their days that were important to them if you want to. Mm-hmm. And we're definitely seeing it more, I think in like media addressing grief. And so it's becoming a little bit less taboo to talk about the fact that we're still sad that somebody died. So let me play devil's advocate for a moment. Say that you have a person that is traumatized um, because maybe they were raised in an abusive home. Um, Their abuser abused them day in, day out, forever. Now that abuser has died. Um, And so, and say it was a parent. You know, so now you're dealing with the trauma of being abused by the person that you thought should love you. Then on top of that, they're dead. So now you don't know whether to be happy that you're no longer being abused, but you're still grieving because that's a loved one or a parent or, you know, a relationship. So that could be like very deep because now you you're feeling guilty because you're glad they're no longer here, even though we don't wish death on anybody, but you're also happy that you no longer have to live in that abusive situation. So how does that grieving process, how does that trauma, how does that work? You know? Um, I'll step in and say humans are complicated and things are complicated and welcome to humanity where something can be both happy and sad. Um, perhaps, perhaps happy isn't the right word, but maybe a sense of relief um, is, is the right word. Um, but it, in, in the aspect of trauma, in my opinion, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily complicate things that the person has passed. Um, we can still treat the trauma in the same way. However, in recovery from grief, that may be a bit different. So Serena is my resident um, expert on that. So I'll pass that one over to her. I think one of the hard things is we can remember people honestly because mm-hmm. they were complicated. Um I'm, sh- I'm sure Alice has had plenty of experience where people have been abused by somebody that they loved. And it's really hard to be like, I kind of hate this person and I kind of love them. Mm-hmm. And death didn't change that. Um, death did not make a magic wand where suddenly you're not mad at people still. And so even if somebody you are grieving, I do think trauma therapy has such an important role of facing the reality of what happened and the reality of that person. Um, that they were They were much more complicated. Death didn't fix it. Right. But we think that sometimes we hate to speak ill of the dead, but the truth right. is they might've done some stuff that wasn't okay. Right. Right. Now, what are some of the, I, I know that um, you can use animal therapy and tra- trauma PTSD. Can you use that same thing in grief? A lot of people do. I mean, um, even if it's not formal animal therapy, people might choose to get a pet um, companionship and everything. 
um, I don't, I don't do any work with animals, but I would say that if you are, if you do have somebody who, who's had a big loss, mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't try and force a pet on them because you wouldn't want to make it seem like somebody was being replaced. Right, right. Um, but but absolutely, animal therapy, although I don't do it, um, especially emotional support dogs are wonderful tools to use. Mm -hmm. Do you ever, um, in your experience, we, we talk about losing people, but, you know, there are people that grieve big time over their pet, over their pets. <sighs> Yeah, those are their those are their fur babies. <laughs> I know I got two. Uh, do do you do you work? Does it work the same? You know the overcoming the the grief with the person. The, do 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 the same steps apply to maybe an animal or you know something like that? I would do pretty much exactly the same steps because it's it is a similar loss. Like even if people don't. Some people are fur baby people and some people aren't. Right. Um, it's up to the individual to tell me where they're at and what kind of loss that was. Um, okay. Okay. I, I can't quantify it for them. But it is, it is, I would do the same steps for helping them process it. I'd want to learn about what they liked about it. I want them to keep their memories and, um, and re-remember the person to talk about their stories and keep them and not feel that they have to. Uh, cut that person out of their life or that animal once they've died. Let me let me ask you this, and this is more, I guess, personal. But how do you how, working with grieving people? You know, um, I think sometimes it takes a lot. So how do you separate? How do you stop that from like you going home with it? it overtaking you, you know, what do, what, what are some of the things? Cause I mean, if I had to, if that was my job that I dealt with grieving people every day and I had to sit eight, 12, 20 hours every day, listening to these stories that would probably like rip my heart out sometimes. How do you separate yourself from that? How do you keep that from overloading you and you taking it home and it affecting your life? Um, I have a routine when I'm driving home to be like, this is the end of the day now. Uh, and then I, as, um, Alice can attest, I have a million coping skills that I actively practice. Um, if some of them are quite say, tasty, I'll say that she makes ah, amazing breads and cookies. <laughs> okay. Okay. And when all of that fails, it's okay. I can feel sad for a day, but similar, if it's coming too much, I have to go get help. Mm -hmm. So, um, I always tell people like you get to feel your feelings, but when you're stuck in them, you got to go talk to somebody. Somebody told me one time that every therapist needs a therapist. <laughs> <Yes>. Agreed. <laughs> I second the motion. <laughs> You know, I, I before we came on the air, I was telling Alice, you know, I work in mental health. You know, um, I work in a psych hospital. I my specialty are adolescents because that's just where my heart is. Um, but I was telling her that I had to take a break because I felt like I, I it was like even when I left, it came with me. You know, uh, it was, and I hate to use the word trigger, but, you know, it was triggering me all over, you know, um, it, it's just people, I don't think realize how, um, and like you were saying earlier with the pandemic, it, mental health, everybody's mental health has been affected, you know, um, your, your way of life. I don't think our way of life will ever be the same. You know, um, it's going to be a new, a new natural, a new something. Um, and people are grieving the way things used to be. You know, they they don't want to move forward and um, see that we're just going to have to live a whole different sort of life. But and, and it's people are acting different that never acted different before. Uh, they're doing things that they never did before. And you're, you're wondering what in the hell is wrong with some people, you know? Um, but 
it's just like everybody's mental health has been touched one way or the other and not really for the better. So do you think that, and I know everybody will never, everybody will never go to therapy, but do you think that therapy can help everybody? Or is this something that we're just probably going to have to deal on our own for a lot? Um, well, I'm biased. So yes, I think therapy can help everybody, <laughs> but I don't think that means everybody has to go see a therapist. I think that we've gotten better in the pandemics kind of help draw attention to mental health mm -hmm. for people to go like, Oh, wait a minute. Maybe this is anxiety. Mm -hmm. Like maybe all these feelings are depression. Mm -hmm. Um, and having that awareness, you can kind of determine when it's too much and get some help. So can grief be, uh, can I be dealing with a mental health issue and think I'm just sad that I'm just grieving? Can that be misdiagnosed? Can, you know, it really be something more serious? And then I think it's just grief. Maybe. Um, it, it really, you'd have to dig into the person because you have grief and depression and trauma and some of these things have um, overlapping symptoms so you need somebody to kind of dig in and pull out what's what's trauma what goes in this box what's grief what's being a human being and that's how daily life works and so it's kind of hard to determine it because people are so complicated but what do you look for then if if say say i'm a parent and i just had a divorce and i have children you know, when do I start looking at, well, maybe it's something other than their grieving that, you know, we're not together again. Maybe I need to take my child to therapy. You know, what are the signs? What do I need to look out for as a parent? Um, well, one of the things I would look out for is nothing improved. Time is not helping. And it's that being that stuck. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, divorce is awful. Divorce is a big grieving moment for children, for parents for families it it just sucks mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. if it's never getting better if it's still everything's still really fresh or things are getting worse um probably mm -hmm. therapy is a good idea okay and i know uh we talked earlier about how to find a therapist that's good for ptsd but it, do you go the same route that maybe a grief is it a greek counselor a greek therapist what 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 do you call it what do you look for there's a lot of options um i know that when it comes to like getting certified in grief it's it's very extensive and kind of rare mm -hmm. um one of the things i would do is is ask a counselor do you have a lot of experience with grief mm -hmm. like are you, are you comfortable with this because they might say you know actually that's not really my area let me give you the number of somebody okay 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 so tell us tell tell me about your company let's tell say i've decided you know yeah i found this therapist i i i, I want to i want to come to you how would i get in contact with you you know what what would it look like the scheduling, you know, things like that. If I've never walk me through those steps, if I've never had therapy, I've never found one or, you know, well, um, if you're interested in, in booking a session with myself or Serena, you can call 682-422-7775. Um, I'll be the one to pick up the phone. Please leave a voicemail if I don't answer, cause I'm probably in session. Um, and then I'll call you back and we'll have a really brief chat about what's working for you in your world and what's not. Um, are you looking for um, someone to work with you on trauma? Is this a situation in which you're grieving? Um, you know, do you have family, children? You know, is this a couple's thing? And then we'll talk numbers and we'll find a time that works well for you. Um, we offer face-to-face -face and telehealth sessions. Um, okay. So we can see anybody who is residing in the state of Texas. Um, so if you live in Houston, you can still come and see one of the fabulous ladies that we have here at 180 Therapy. Um, you know, next next door, down the street, 
hundreds of miles away, as long as you're within the borders of the state of Texas, um, you can see myself, Serena, or um, the other two ladies I have at my practice, Ashley Foster and Angelo Brown. Um, and we all have varying specialties and experiences. Um, so yeah, just give us a call 682-422-7775 and then we can get you connected with the one that's right for you. That is wonderful. One thing, one thing I know, I'm a little ADHD, but where did you come up with the name for your, uh, for your practice? I love um, it. It's, it's really not a fantastic story, um, but me and my husband were driving home from work one day and I was toying with the idea of opening a private practice. And he was like, well, what would you even name it? <laughs> and just out of nowhere, I was like, I don't know, 180 therapy, because you want to turn your life around. So your turnaround starts here. And like, just like that, I had oh, like a tagline and, and the company name. So I yeah. That. And I, I even threw around some other names. I can't remember any of them, but I threw around some other names and I was like, no, 180 is just, it's perfect. So, I, and it's not a, it's a very good story. I like that. I like oh, that. thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, a couple more things before I let you all go. If you, um, Serena, what would you say? Just if you could talk to anybody or say anything or leave one last thought on a person's mind about grief, what, what would that be? Um, well, one of the things it, it would be that it's okay to not have the right words. I think that's where we stumble the most and we don't reach out to people because we think we can't help. It's okay to just sit with somebody and be sad. Maybe all you're doing is curling up on the couch with a friend and watching stupid movies. That's helping them so much. Um, so don't look for those perfect words. Be present instead. Okay, thank you. And and Alice, what what would be something that you would want to leave on a person's mind? Um, that it's okay, and whatever you're going through, I promise you're not alone on an island, and there's there's hope out there, and that people do recover from PTSD. Okay, and one last time, tell tell the people the name of your company, where they can reach you, the phone number, that kind of thing. Um, the name of the company is 180 Therapy. Your turnaround starts here. You can reach me on Facebook by searching 180 Therapy. You can reach me on Google um, by Googling 180 Therapy. The website is 180therapydfw.com. You can call or text 682-422-7775. Or you can reach me at alice at 180therapydfw.com. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time and thank you for all the information. And you guys, if you're dealing with trauma, if you're dealing with PTSD, if you're dealing with grief or you know somebody that is, don't do it alone. There are people out there that are ready, willing, and able to help you. Um, you're not by yourself and there's no shame or embarrassment to get help. So these two wonderful women, they are waiting to help you. Give them a call. If you know somebody, send them their way, okay? Um, I want to thank you all again for taking the time out of your busy schedule and coming. We got a question. Huh? Oh, hold on. She didn't want me to talk to y'all. She didn't mean to me. <laughs> hey, what's up, everybody? I'm going to have to get it. I have a question. So, um, and this is a personal question for me. My mother... I said she passed about three or four years ago. Uh, and I still, until today, have not shed a tear. But we we had a perfect relationship. Well, not perfect, but, you know, we didn't, like, not ever talk to each other. Like, I literally spoke to her, like, 48 hours before she passed. Why does it take some people longer than others to even go through that, at, at least shed a tear over the death. Well, some people might not at all shed a tear either. Um, it's just depending on how people are. People will grieve differently. Um, you know, we're talking about those five stages. And I said you could do them out of order and you can go back. You can also skip some. 
that maybe you didn't cry because you just didn't need to cry. And maybe you'll cry in a couple of years and something will hit you. It doesn't make any one of them right or wrong. Cause it made me feel bad. Like I would watch all kinds of sad movies and like try to do something to spark it. Try to make and, it. Just make yourself cry. And nothing would happen. So it so could that be is that something you just that's didn't natural, though. Yeah, like we we think we're supposed to hit all of those stages in an order, right? Because we've heard it over and over again. There are five stages of grief, and oh, they're stuck in the denial stage because they're really not processing it. But maybe they just processed it and you didn't cry. Like, I'm not a crier. I don't really cry in life. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I've had some moments where I'm like, maybe I'm a monster. Because that didn't make me cry when everybody else cried. It doesn't mean I didn't have those feelings. I'm just not a crier. Yeah. Okay. So I just wanted to know. I, yeah. I felt like it was me and, like, I had done something wrong. I, I was supposed to feel something that I didn't feel. Yeah. You know, it's very interesting is I've had a... Um, May has been a death-heavy month month for me and some people I've known, and I did I haven't cried really. I did buy a hamster, and I think that was weird. And then I bought some accessories for the hamster, and it definitely got weird. Um, mm. And it made me feel better. And I and I loved some of the people who died, and I liked some of the people. We weren't that close, and some we were. I'm just not a crier, so okay. well, it's just not so one of much. my my ways of dealing with anything. Well, I appreciate it, and I've definitely appreciated you guys on today's show. Well, thank, thank you so you. much for asking. Sign off. Mm -mm, you sign off. <laughs> she's, trying, she's trying to make me sign off on her show. Where we do that at? <laughs> we do that right here, because he has the most amazing voice. You know how some people have that radio voice? That's him. It's yes, a soothing voice. Definitely. He might be missing a calling right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, again, thank you all for taking the time to come on Broken for Purpose podcast. I really appreciate you. And I know where to send people that need help. I know a lot of people that need some help. Uh, <laughs> you well, thank over. you. you know, my pleasure. So again, thank you for coming on. And guys, thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you have any questions, please feel free to enter them into the chat. They will be more than happy to answer whatever questions that you may have. So thank you. And we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you.